this summer. Your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you had a great July 4th. Uh, Independence Day, of course, is what we're supposed to call that. Um, we actually spent some time going over this because I think if you had a you know typical backyard barbecue or picnic or whatever you did for July 4th, not a lot of thought about what the holiday is supposed to mean from a lot of people. So today we take July 5th to go through the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, some of our founding documents. What do they actually mean? What are the attacks against it? Are they real? Uh, and go through with the real documents so we don't have to speculate. We know exactly what the founders said. Uh, unlike someone like Cory Bush, who was tweeting about how we need to think about this day as a day of reparations, uh, we're going to look at the real meaning of the 4th of July. And also, we'll talk about cocaine in the White House, because that's the type of story we're supposed to be talking about in 2023. Who's doing coke inside the White House? It's all on today's podcast. up uh yesterday i think what 10 days uh here in saint george it was uh oversold um every single day it was really an amazing thing so many people were deeply deeply moved and um broke down at different places all the way through broke down um some of them broke down with the pilgrims, others with the Declaration of Independence and the first draft, others deeply moved by the black heroes in America for the um, American Revolution. George Washington, Lincoln, slavery was very powerful section. And of course, the Red Pill Room. Um, we, had, um, we had about 13,000 people come through. We stopped yesterday afternoon, I think at three o'clock, and then immediately began breaking down. And we open again, not tomorrow, is it tomorrow? No, no, it's, I think it is, no, it's Thursday. I'm so, so screwed up, in case you lost track of time, it's Wednesday today. So yeah, I guess Thursday we open up. Um, so we're moving it and the trucks are gonna be on the road today, two massive 18 wheelers. And uh, we're going to be up in Idaho, and everything is sold out, but roll the dice, roll the dice. I mean, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I thought today is a great day to go through some of our documents because people stood at the Declaration of Independence for quite some time and read the whole thing. And we don't do that enough. 
You know, how many times have you read, come on, be honest, the Constitution? Yeah, me too. Uh, so I think we should go through these because the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, it is the reason we're having all of the problems that we have today. We're not following it. Nobody knows it. And how can you protect your rights if you don't know what they are? So I thought I would start at the beginning. You know, all of these rights that are talked about come from the pulpits. The pulpits in the 1750s, 60s, and 70s were on fire. And they were talking about, you know, kings being tyrants, and you answer to God, and you go directly to him. And so when Thomas Paine wrote Common Sense, these things were common sense. And I never, you know, I, I, I always thought, yeah, freedom is common sense. When I was, you know, younger and a kid, I thought, common sense. Yeah, we should all be free. You could go to China and go to the rice paddy and say, shouldn't you be free? And they would say, of course, it's common sense. No, it wouldn't be. It would not be. You have to noodle it out. You have to be, you have to see that there is opportunity that comes way before the government, all of these rights that you have as an individual. So it was common sense in America because they were preached in all of the pulpits, um, all of these things. It's where we get a lot of our lines uh, from our Declaration of Independence. And so Thomas Paine pushes us into uh, the revolutionary era it's his it's his pamphlet or his book called common sense that i think about 70 percent of the country had read and had a copy of which is i think it was a third of the households had a copy of it and 70 75 percent read it put that into perspective now can you think of anything that 75 percent of this population has read anything so they read it and they they realize yeah we should be free we should separate from um uh, from the uh uh from the king so i want to go through uh some of this with you and let me see if i can get it here we are so so the summer of 76 there are five guys that are chosen, and there is this uh, vote that goes on. And John Hancock, the guy with a big signature at the bottom, he said he signed his name that large because he wanted to be able to have King George read his name without his glasses on. That's a pretty bold statement because it was a death sentence, and he knew it. And so before they selected the people to write the declaration, they all had to vote on, are we going to do this? Do we want to break away from England? And <clears throat> everybody voted. And it had to be unanimous. There couldn't be anybody on the fence. You had to be dedicated to it because, as he said, this is a death sentence. We will most likely hang uh, we will lose our fortunes. We will lose may maybe even our family and our family's lives. And we will definitely be dead. This is treason. So everybody raise a hand if you want to commit treason with me. 
and everybody raised their hand. Then he said, I think every word of this should be voted on because if there is one colony that is not in step, if we don't all agree on every word, then the king, he's got his people everywhere and spies everywhere, and he will find out where we we don't agree, and his people will worm their way in and break us apart. So we have to stay united. So another vote. Do you think it all should be read and voted on separately, line by line or paragraph by paragraph, and uh, be unanimous? Everybody raise their hand. Then they picked five people. John Adams was one. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was one. And John Adams was actually selected to write it. And John Adams, he was like, I don't know. Well, I was going to say Jeffy, but no. He had so much more credibility. Never, you know, He had never done anything with drugs or hookers. So he was not like Jeffy. But... Um, he was absolutely unlikable. <clears throat> and uh, and I think that's like Jeffy, don't you think, Stu? Just an unlikable human being. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what science has <laughs> said. It's not us. <laughs> yeah. You, thank you. Mm -hmm. When you argue with us on that, you are arguing against science. Against the science. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes. So, so he said, I can't write this. Nobody will vote for anything that I write because I'm unlikable. And Benjamin Franklin said, you see that kid over there with the red hair? Um, I hear he's a great writer. Let's ask him. Thomas Jefferson had red hair. He was from Virginia. He wasn't even supposed to be there that day. So they approach him and, uh, and ask him if he would write the Declaration of Independence. So he did. We have the first draft of the Declaration of Independence in our museum. It is absolutely amazing, amazing. And it's like a Word document. You can see who changed what. There'd be a line through a sentence and then something written over that line. And then off into the column, it will say, B. Franklin and the date. It's amazing, amazing. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And we really want to thank you for listening. So I want to go through um, some things that uh, you might find on Wikipedia and some things you might not find on Wikipedia. So on Wikipedia, you will find that the United States uh, began slavery. The institution of slavery was established in North America in the 16th century under the Spanish colonization. Now, where is that? That's Cuba and Florida, and they began in the late 1500s, early 1600s. Then British colonization, where is that? That's not with the pilgrims, that is with Jamestown. The French also brought slavery, where? Haiti and New Orleans. And the Dutch colonialization, that is up north in the New York area. So, we see that it's happening all over the world. By the way, the majority of slaves uh, that were imported from Africa went down to South America, mainly Brazil. Um, they took a lot more slaves in. So 
I, I am not excusing slavery in America. I am looking at it from a historic perspective. You cannot take something out of the context of the time. So let me just tell you a couple of things. First of all, um, the, I, I won't make an excuse for Jamestown. Jamestown became a nightmare. Jamestown, if you go to our museum, you'll see um, we have pictures of a skull because it ended in cannibalism. Uh, and the skull has knife marks on the head from where they were carving the flesh off of the body. It turned into a nightmare. And I think it always does when you come to this country or you focus on money and you make God or gold your, uh, or I mean, you make gold your God. Um, when you do that, everything goes wrong because you'll do anything because your God is money. So how can I make more money? Well, I can certainly do that by enslaving people. So <clears throat> slavery um, was a part of Jamestown. However, it was not a part of the Plymouth colony. It is really important to understand, and this is something that we went through in the um, between 1850 and 1870. We had this same discussion. Are we Jamestown or are we the Mayflower and Plymouth? Which one? Because one was really super bad and led to slavery and eventually sedition and treason and the Civil War. The other led to the Declaration of Independence and a God-minded people who were trying to do decent, honorable, and freeing things for all mankind. No, nobody was perfect. Jamestown was worse. Now, when it comes to slavery with our pilgrims, let me give you a couple of uh, facts. The pilgrims, when they came over, they made slavery illegal from, I think, day one. They called it man-stealing. No man-stealing. That's what it's called in the Bible. You can't steal a man from his home and where he is and just enslave him. It's why the Indians broke the longest-running treaty in the United States, that treaty with the pilgrims, because war with some tribes, but the tribes that the pilgrims made treaties with, the wars between the tribes was really vicious, just vicious. And the Native Americans, some tribes, would actually um, torture the people that they would capture, the men. They would, they would fillet them. They would peel their skin off of them while they were alive. I mean, it was nasty. And they did this to frighten the other side, to make sure that the other side knew, do not pick a war with us. So they were, they were doing that um, to frighten the other tribe, and the other tribe would do the same. They would also take their women and children, and they would make them into slaves. When the pilgrims arrived, the Native Americans were curious about the white man's God, and we were eager to share it, and made the Bible, and we had a copy of it in the museum, made the Bible, wrote the Bible in the Native American tongue so they could read it. The reason why that treaty was broken, not by us, but by the Native Americans, is too many Christianized 
Indians were saying, wait, we got to go to war, but we can't torture. We can't enslave people. This was such a big deal, man stealing, that a storm uh, reared its ugly head on the East Coast, and it blew a slave ship into port at the Plymouth Colony. The slave ship comes in, and you could smell a, a slave ship from a mile away. So they knew exactly what had blown into port. The pilgrims boarded and arrested the captain and the first mate of that uh, ship because man-stealing was illegal. Then, this is a poor group of people who are giving 50% of everything they own to the king just so they can stay alive, Uh, and they take up a collection among themselves to be able to hire another crew, put provisions on that ship, and send it back to Africa to free them. That's quite a different story that we don't have to reimagine. That's very different than Jamestown. So which country are we? Are we the country that is trying to liberate and free people and see all people the same? Or are we Jamestown that end in cannibalism? I, I suggest that we pick the pilgrims, and that's what we did um, during the Civil War. And in 1870, the, uh, or I think it was 1870 or 1880, Congress printed a map that shows the tree of sedition coming from Jamestown or the straight uh, tree that gives you all kinds of blessings the tree of liberty that came from the pilgrims in Massachusetts. So we start to abolish slavery, um, mainly in the North, really early. If you would look at um, uh, New England as a country, it would have abolished uh, slavery like 100 years ahead of everybody else. But they were colonies, so it's not a country. Um, during and, <clears throat> and after the American Revolution, the abolition of slavery became uh, a big deal, and abolitionists uh, popped up. I just told you in the Declaration of Independence, there was a paragraph written by Thomas Jefferson that only two colonies voted against, and it had to be unanimous. So it's not all 13 colonies. In fact, Virginia voted for the abolition of slavery to be put into the Declaration of Independence. And that was Thomas Jefferson who wrote it and voted in Virginia. It was South Carolina and Georgia. Those were the two. So we wanted to end it 11 out of the 13 colonies immediately. We couldn't. So when we become a country... George Washington lays out the Northwest Ordinance. That's 1787. We're under the Articles of Confederation, where the federal government is very weak. But in the Northwest Ordinance, we it's it's quite an amazing document. In the Northwest Ordinance, George Washington uh, lays out a couple of things that we have to have... um, the fundamental principles of civil and religious liberty in all the territories um, that are uh, above, what was it? 
uh, New Orleans, I mean, uh, uh, Louisiana, I think, or Kentucky. It's basically the Mason-Dixon line uh, somewhat. And so everything new that we're going to bring out in territories up in the north um, from Iowa all the way to the coast cannot have slavery and they must have religious freedom. And um, for the good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. The utmost good faith shall always be observed towards the Indians. Their lands and their property shall never be taken from them without their consent. This is Washington. Do we live up to these things? Absolutely not. Did we mean them? George Washington did. And in their property rights and their liberty, they shall never be invaded or disturbed unless in just and lawful wars authorized by Congress, but laws founded in justice and humanity shall from time to time be made for preventing wrongs from being done to them and preserving peace and friendship with the Native Americans. Again, this is the idea that all comes from the pilgrims, not from the people of Jamestown that eventually uh, just start taking everything from, from everyone. So the Articles of Confederation uh, are in play. The Northwest Ordinance is in play. If you don't know what the Articles of Confederation are, you should read them sometime. It, it is crazy. Um, it is the first constitution of the United States, the Articles of Confederation, is so weak. It's actually in this first constitution. It establishes, <laughs> are you ready? A league of friendship. That, that's how incredibly weak the association was with the states. The government was like, hey, neighbor, how are you doing? Isn't it great to be alive today? A league of friendship. Obviously, that didn't work. But the Northwest Ordinance comes from that. And then what happens? Then where do we go from there? How is slavery uh, changed from there? So we have a lot of things that uh, come about. Um, after the Northwest Ordinance, we have the gradual emancipation in New York starting in 1799. Um, we have uh, in the Constitution that we write in, and is uh, done, I think, in eight, uh, 1781, no, 91 is the Bill of Rights and the final Constitution. And that abolishes the slave trade, I believe, in uh, 1807. So we can't stop it entirely. But what we do is we say we're no longer going to import slaves. Now, why would they do this? Well, let me ask you, progressives. Why haven't you just taken all the guns from Americans? If you believe you're so right, why haven't you just gone door to door and taken the guns? Because you're going to be judged right? That's what you would believe. This is causing the death of all of these children. So you're trying to change it in laws, but then it never seems to happen. It never really is fully implemented. Why don't you just take the guns? 
for the same reason the founders didn't abolish slavery immediately. At first, for the Declaration of Independence, it was two states, but it was allowed to fester and it spread into the southern states because it's evil and pernicious. The government was trying to stop it like progressives try to stop things one step at a time. Because if you would have just said no more slavery, we would have gone to war. If you would say we're coming to pick up all the guns, America would go to war. Back then and now, we chose no war. Let's just try to keep working on it. So really, we're doing the same thing. And I think we're doing that on abortion on the right. You're doing that with guns or communism or whatever it is you want on the left. It's progressiveness, progressivism. It's taking one step at a time. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. So here's something a talk show host doesn't say every day. In fact, here's something a talk show host has never said uh, before. Um, At the White House... Uh, On Sunday, uh, Secret Service agents discovered a white powder uh, and evacuated the White House until they found out that white powder was simply cocaine. Uh, (laughs) It's a. (laughs) okay. Uh, so it it wasn't there to blow up, but it was blow. Uh, And so we got that going for us now. Uh, I'm not going to tie this to Hunter Biden. I think it is unfair. There are a lot of creeps in the White House that might be doing cocaine. They say that it was most likely dropped. And I think most likely might be a stretch. Um, Let's actually look at all of the facts before we decide on who it was. Could have been somebody that was visiting. Could have been a family member. Could have been a million things could have been the aliens that they have hinted at and told us but haven't told us are visiting the White House with cocaine. Don't know. But uh, earlier they said that uh, Hunter Biden was at the White House until Friday. They found it on Sunday, and they say the White House is thoroughly searched every day. And so they didn't see the white powder and they said they think it's most likely that it was dropped by a tourist. And I know in my drug years, uh, I was so sloppy with my really expensive cocaine baggie. What do I really drop? Okay. Maybe, maybe somebody dropped it. They also said it's possibility. Somebody planted it. Okay, uh, that would be weird. Um, you know, maybe we could dust it for prints. Because maybe there's fingerprints on it. Mm. I, I don't know. Uh, especially if somebody just dropped it and weren't trying to plant it. Let's see if it had any prints on it. Um, but now, three minutes ago, now five minutes ago, I guess, ABC News just said 
that they cannot confirm it was in a public place at the White House. <laughs> they said their investigation is going on, and, and we can't confirm nor deny that it was in the library with a candlestick. Well, if you remember, Glenn, uh, when the kids were touring Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, they did go to see fizzy lifting drinks in an area they were not actually allowed yeah. inside of. So right. I think the most right. likely outcome here is a tourist was on a tour and just went to another part of the White House. They weren't allowed to check out to see if they had fizzy lifting drinks. And this was the fizzy lifting drink they found. And who who can't hear Joe Biden right now saying, and you stole fizzy lifting <laughs> drinks. You stole, so you lose. Yes. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Who can't hear that? I, I have many questions here, Glenn. <laughs> um, many, many questions. Um, now, you had mentioned you? you thought it might be a family member. And I, what, I mean, some, no, no, I said speculation right. has been, I'm not suggesting I, right. that. Well, I don't know. Let's you don't wait know. for In the fact, facts. You kept it. You were very careful there. You were so careful that you eliminated no one because every person is a family member of some family. So you've eliminated no one there. Did you, did you jump to the Hunter Biden conclusion immediately? Uh, because I sort of did. I, you know, I look, there could be. I've watched this White House closely. Lots of people there are definitely on cocaine. But I did think just from the sloppiness of the operation, Hunter had to be involved in some way. This would be the perfect statement for him I'm, to make I'm right surprised. after being, getting a deal for all of his crimes. They are still looking into it, and they won't divulge all of the details because of their investigation, which will take probably 12 years. Mm -hmm. um, but... I wouldn't be surprised if we found out 12 years from now that they knew the cocaine came from somebody yeah. because the cocaine was found on the belly of a hooker uh, in one of the, you know, you know, in the library right. or the kitchen or right. they, they're any not gonna other tell public us. place. Let's be honest about it. No. If they're going to come up with an excuse immediately. These people lie all the time. If Hunter was doing it, uh, off of the counter, they all got, they caught him and they kicked him out because they couldn't believe what he was doing. They would come up with this exact excuse. There's no reason to believe anything this White House says about this topic at all. Mm -hmm. It very well could have been hunters. They very well already might know it. But also, Glenn, isn't the White House like the most uh, secure mm -hmm. environment yes. in America? Yes. We all, yes. there has to be a camera pointed at the place where no. this this cocaine was found no. rewind the footage no. and look about who look at Cameras? who put it there no in public places in the white house you think they put cameras <laughs> come on Stu. <laughs> they're not invading people's privacy by putting a camera no in the places of the white house where the tours go through all the time why would you have a camera there now could there be an open laptop of hunters and he happened to be recording at the time sure maybe maybe but a camera put in by our government to watch places where americans tour no way especially no after way. you've made the last three years about the ongoing Jeez. insurrection against our public buildings in right. washington dc we saw how many cameras they had inside the capitol building Pretty much every single yeah. inch of that place has cameras. You're telling me the White House Stu. doesn't have similar surveillance? 
Of course they do, especially in the public places. They may not have it in the upstairs, you know, in the White House. But I bet you they have it in the stairwells. Hmm. You know, they might even have it in like the living room of the upstairs of the private residence, you know, just to make sure if the president drops dead, something happens. I, I don't know. But in the lower level of the White House, absolutely cameras everywhere, everywhere. So what, of course, I think we're getting from this is it was found in a private area, right? Because the public area, there's no be no excuse. No. And the fact that they're leaking out the, I don't know, it may not have been uh, uh, in the public area. After all, we're all as surprised as you. All of this sort of nonsense that they're leaking out, to me, indicates they know it was in the private area. And they know it was something bigger than some tourist dropping it there. They know it was somebody, you know, could, I mean, like we've seen problems with the Secret Service recently. Who knows? You know, God only knows what this could have been. It could have been it, theirs. It could have been, could have been theirs. It could have been, uh, it could have been, it could, could have been, been Joe Could have been the head of the Secret Service. Maybe this is why yeah. Joe occasionally seems focused you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe occasionally right. when Joe does like I one don't. out of every 15 speeches, he actually no, has energy. Maybe no, he is the one doing the cocaine yeah. in the White House. <laughs> that might be the answer I, here. No, I don't think it is. But I mean, I, I'm i not not saying it isn't. <laughs> You're not willing to rule you it out. I mean, come on. You can't not possibly willing to rule, rule it, it out. out. Have you seen how this guy is governed? Have you Can seen you, how, you know, most of the time he's completely asleep and then every once in a while, like in a debate or something, he has energy for 20 and especially, minutes. Right. Especially at night when he's like, you know, nine o'clock Eastern giving the uh, State of the Union address. Come on. Everybody knows he's asleep by three thirty in the afternoon. He's having dinner at noon. He's having breakfast at like eleven thirty when he rolls out of bed dinner at noon and he's in bed by one mm. you know so i think what we're saying I here is full we, day yeah we can confirm now that joe biden is the one who did it so there you go uh, analysis <laughs> here from the glenn beck program that's the name of the show the glenn Thank beck you. program. no and uh <laughs> the the views of Stu Brigier, which may end up in a court of law and him in prison are not necessarily and in this case absolutely not the views of this host it's You're not a, it's not a joke uh, it's not a joke no joke. no joke you can i mean just think of the i mean this is really the difference and i'm not talking about all conservatives i'm talking about people who revere our our country and there's a lot of conservatives in washington who are just they're all talk and all show, and uh, they they don't feel necessarily any different than any progressive feels. But I know a ton of people that are regular citizens that would find that so abhorrent that I mean, you go to the White House, and it's it's the room, it's it's the building where. All of the presidents, except I think since Thomas Jefferson, right? All of them. No. Who was the first one? It wasn't Washington, but it's been from the beginning. And it is some place that is just revered and special and sacred. 
And there's so many people now that are just, I, I remember that's, that was my biggest problem with Bill Clinton and his shenanigans that were going on. It's like, dude, really? I mean, find a, find a Motel 16. It doesn't have to be a Motel 8 or a Motel 6. You can upgrade. Go to a Motel 16 and do that. Not in the White House. It's just shameful. Just shameful. We're getting to the point, though, in our country so there was where an- I would say the Motel 6 is definitely of higher quality than our White House. <laughs> we heard that. We're there. I hope people recognize that. Yeah, we are there. Um, one other thing. Um, the, um, a lower court, a judge came out on the uh, Louisiana case where we've had the Louisiana um, attorney general on. He's fantastic. He came on and he said, we have done our investigation uh, with Missouri and we have filed a court case against the White House for what they've done with social media. And they used the White House uh, talking about, I think it was, was it Jen Psaki that was originally talking about, yeah, I mean, we, we talk to social media and tell them, you know, what they can and cannot say with COVID. And the judge excoriated them. Yeah, it just really ripped him apart. Uh, if the allegations made by the plaintiffs are true, the present case arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. In their attempts, wow. I mean, that's a, quite a statement. In their attempts to suppress alleged disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the f- defendants named here, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to speech. The plaintiffs uh, are, likely to su- are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Opposition to COVID-19 vaccines. Opposition to COVID-19 masking and lockdowns. Opposition to the lag- lab leak theory of COVID-19. Opposition to the validity of the 2020 election. Opposition to President Biden's policies. Statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true. And opposition to the policies of the government officials in power. All were suppressed. It's quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint discrimination of political speech during the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty. The United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. It goes on and on and on and on. Um, and it talks specifically about people like, you know, Corinne Jean-Pierre um, and other members of the White House. Uh, this goes to, uh, there's several states, plus people like Jay Bhattacharya that are involved in this uh, website, mm-hmm. or this uh, lawsuit. It is a, I mean, it's a blistering ruling. Blistering. And I feel bad for, um, you know, uh, what's-her-face, always in a new dress that's at the White House. Now, I can never remember her name. KJP, yeah, Corinne She does such a poor job. Oh, gosh, she's so bad. Um, And I feel bad that she's involved in this because she, I can guarantee you, only read what was given to her. There was Mm. no opinion there. She's just, you might as well. That's like involving the teleprompter. (laughs) And that teleprompter was involved in this. You know, today is a great day to get a warranty. Actually, any day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. That's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. All the unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or faulty water heater. 
they're not going to break the bank because covered repairs and replacements are all taken care of. Having reassurance is something to celebrate. Choose the plan that works for you and your budget. When a covered item in your home breaks, all you do is contact American Home Shield. Their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry. Be warranty. Go to ahs.com slash Beck and save 20%. That's ahs.com slash Beck and get 20% off any plan. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. 